So if you'll turn in your Bible to Acts chapter number 12. Acts chapter number 12. We're just going to read the first five verses here. It says, Now about that time Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Now, we've been talking in Sunday school, we've been talking about the armor of God, and we've been going through it very slowly, step by step, you know, kind of working backwards. We've been talking about faith, the shield of faith. And uh, one of the other parts of the armor of God, which we'll get to eventually, is prayer. Well, you know, because we have the... Uh, it's, it's not necessarily a piece of armor, but prayer is what holds everything together. If you're a Christian and you're going through life without prayer, you're not living the full Christian life. If you're not praying to God, you're not reaching out to the one who saved your soul. You're not reaching out to the one who can lead you through this life. You're saying, I, I can do it on my own. Or you're saying, I can do things to, to bypass you, Lord. This is our chance to reach out to God in prayer for each and every daily step that we make. We want to be a prayerful church, number one. Verse number five says, Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. Now, the book of Acts is exciting. When you read through the book of Acts, you see God working in and through the lives of the apostles, and you see people getting saved and coming to the Lord by the thousands. You see a fellowship, a pure fellowship around the word of Jesus Christ. We get caught up in our churches and we get so built up on the programs and get built up on the things that we're doing. And it's a good thing to do shoeboxes, amen. But if that's all that we do as a church and we're not reaching out to God daily, it's just an empty gesture. If, if, if that's all that we do in our lives with Christ is, that, is just do things for him, that's, it's empty. But it's prayer that keeps the church going. We want to be a prayerful church. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now we see Peter in prison. We've seen Peter preach the word. We've seen people that were healed by Peter. We've, we've seen the people coming to the Lord. But it's not all just good things. When you serve the Lord, because Satan will rear his head. All of the good things, all of the people that were being saved, Cornelius and his family and Saul, who was saved on the road to Damascus. And all of that, Satan rears his head and puts up resistance. So there's going to be times in your life just because you're saved, it doesn't mean that everything is going to go right. Amen. But it means you know the Lord who can make all things work together for good. Now, God wasn't done with Peter. But here in this moment, it looks like Peter's down, and it's looking like he's out. You, you sit, he's sitting there in prison, and this looks like it may be the end as he sits there in that prison house. It said Peter was surrounded by four quaternions of soldiers. When we think of prayer, and I want to stay on prayer, being a prayerful church, because it said prayer was made without ceasing. 
It's something that you shouldn't give up on. I like how last week, Brother Chad, some of the stories that he told us, you know, Brother Chad talked about, we will throw up a prayer to God. Lord, would you please take care of this? And then we go on with our day. But I guarantee you at this time, there were people gathered around, and it tells us later, they were gathered around in that house, and they're on their knees, and they were praying, Lord, please save Peter. Please save him from Herod. They've seen James executed. They had no reason to believe that God would save Peter out of that prison house, but they continued to pray for him, and they continued to pray for him as he's in there. And something about prayer and praying for people, it makes you put yourself aside, doesn't it? Number one, it'll make you put your own pride aside. Because you say, I, I can take care of this. I can fix this. I can do this. And instead you say, Lord, how do you want this done? Lord, use me or use someone else. Just make it done. And I've told you in this church, and I've been, I've been straightforward with you. I had reached a point. I said, Lord, in this church, I see three things. And it's all up to you. Do you want the doors open, number one? And number two, is it me? Do we need another preacher in here? And I've had to step aside, and I said, Lord, what do you want for this church? I feel like I got an answer last week, amen. I didn't know Brother Chad before we knew Brother Bill, and Brother Bill, when he came here, uh, he's been so busy, and he's not even able to be here today. I guarantee you it's breaking his heart, because he wants to be here with us. But uh, Brother Bill comes and he, he says, I have a brother who's a pastor. That's all that I knew. I have a brother who's a pastor. Would, would it be okay if he called you? Sure. Open the door. And I tell you, I was, I was sitting there a few months back and I remember writing down and I had seen it and I wrote down in there. I said, Lord, I just need some help. I need somebody to help me, whether it's to kick me or whether it's to take over from me or something. Lord, I want your church to go on. And Brother Chad, one thing he said, we need churches that will preach the word of God. We don't need fewer. We need more churches that will preach the word of God. And I tell you, we need churches in this area that will turn to the word of God and turn to prayer instead of turning to money or whatever it may be. I'm not saying just because somebody's bigger than us that that's what they're doing, but I'm just saying we need our churches, all the churches in this land, we need them to turn to the Lord and say, Lord, what will you do in this land? Lord, we need your help and cry out to them. You know, one of the first things God will do is he'll show you something. We see with Peter here, let me just throw this in here. Verse number seven, they're, they're praying for him. They have no idea what's going on in Peter's life. They have no idea where he is. They can't see him. They can't see any of that. And it's nice to know that we can turn to God who can see him and who can do something about it. But they have no idea what their prayers are doing. It says in verse number seven, uh, well, we'll go back to verse number six. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains and the keepers of the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. Let me tell you how I first saw this and how I used to preach this when I first saw it. 
Because I used to preach pictures all the time, but now I try to be a little more practical. But I still love to see those pictures. Y'all know that. I love to see types and I love to see pictures. But sometimes you can get out of context if you try to see them everywhere you go. But I see Peter in that prison house and my spiritual mind paints a picture of the sinner sitting there in that prison house. And they're sitting there in the dark. And I'm just telling you what I see in my mind as I think about this because sometimes there's just a spiritual application. Peter had already been tried and tested and converted. You remember that when he denied the Lord. So I'm not saying this is Peter, but I think about the church praying for those that are in the prison. I think people that are chained up to their life. Romans chapter 6 talks about how sin is bondage. How if you don't serve righteousness, you'll serve wickedness. You'll, serve, you'll be in bondage to wickedness. But I see the sinner sitting there in that prison. And I see him bound up in the chains of sin. And I see those Roman soldiers as demons or whatever. But I just see it as that sin that's holding him down in that prison house, and he's chained up. And I see the mother over there in the house with the other church members, and I see, I see them praying for her son in that bondage. And I see them praying without ceasing. Now, the Bible tells us that there'll be a day, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the way I tell it, the way I always say it, the wages of sin is death, but, and there's the door. People don't cross the door to the gift of God. They stay right there on that side of it. And to me, that butt's just like a wall with a door in it. Jesus, Jesus is the door to get through to the other side. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And there they are bound up in the chains of sin. And then it says that it was filled with light there in the prison. As Peter's sitting there in the chains and there was a light that filled it. It says, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him and a light shined in the prison and he smote Peter on the side. There comes a time God will send somebody. You keep praying. God puts people in their life. And that's what we pray for. We pray God put somebody in their life. If it can't be me, let it be somebody else, Lord. But please put somebody in their life to open up your word, to shine the light of the gospel into their life. And when that light comes on, you know, everything looks okay in the dark. I mean... If you don't want to clean the house, close the curtains. (laughs) But when you open those curtains and when you shine the light, you can even see the dust floating around. You'll see the dust over here and there. Some of you say, well, I don't let my house get like that. No, but you you turn on the lights to find that dust so you can hunt it down, amen? That light comes on in the prison house, and I just imagine those cockroaches that go running away and rassy. I know, it made my wife cringe. Not in our house, but in this prison, all right? (laughs) I think I preached one time, I said some illustration or something. She said, you had everybody thinking we just had roaches running everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to make that clear. (laughs) We had a fellowship dinner and nobody came. (laughs) But, uh. See, that that light comes on and it, it shows you what's around you. 
I remember when the gospel was first given, when you realize what sin is and, and, and you just look through your own life, God shows you those things in your life. And it's, well, I did this and I hurt this person. Even as I get older, God will show me where I said something to somebody and hurt them. You look back and it's like, man, I can't go back that many years and undo it. But the light of the gospel shines on and you see that sin. And it convicts. So just to share this picture with you, the angel smote him on the side, and that's that conviction of sin. Amen. And he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And we see the picture. Just raise up. Just stand up. God puts you on your two feet. Remember when Peter saw the man lame at the gate, and he was holding out his hand for a, for a gift? He said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And immediately his feet, his legs, his feet received strength. And he was able to stand. I'm just painting the picture for you. And the angel said unto him, gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did. And he saith unto him, cast thy garment about thee and follow me. Put on your robe of righteousness. It's not our righteousness. It's Jesus' righteousness. Quit trying to make yourself righteous. We, we clean up. We, we change things in our life, but it's God that does the cleaning. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that gets us into heaven. So many people put on that robe, and they think that it's things that they've done. I'm going to get right with God. And uh, I pause because I'm just tempted to go back to Romans chapter 6 and go over that, but I'm not going to. All right, so... And he went out and followed him, and wist not that it was true, which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. I'll just share this. Last week, we went out, and Brother, uh, Brother Chad, and in the first two nights, three nights, I just, I listened as he witnessed person after person. And uh, I'll share this with you, because I don't, I don't know that I could do it last week, but we went out there, and Thursday night we had a board meeting, and I'm like, yeah, well, we're going to get done here. But he was ready to go. We went out here. We made a left turn, and we saw a guy standing by the road. Anthony was his name. I guess I can say that. Nobody knows who we were talking to. He stops the truck. He rolls down the window, and, and maybe I should be ashamed to say this, but it was great to watch. It's been a while for me. I've told you this. I've repented. I've turned back. I said, Lord, give me a heart for soul winning again. Give me that zealotry back. Lord, give me that willingness to witness back. We stopped. He rolled down the window, and he started talking to him. And I know his name because he said it so much, but Anthony. And he talked to him about the wages of sin. He, talk, he took him down the Roman road. You remember the summer we spent going all through Ray Comfort and all of that and all, you know, this sin. He just kept it simple. Romans Road. All of sin and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He led him through that, and then he prayed with him. Now, some will say that's easy believism, but and I've thought about that this week. Number one, it's not the prayer that saves you. Prayer is not going to save anybody. 
They'll pray with you, and they may not believe it. There'll be people that'll pray with you just so you'll go on. Honest to goodness. They'll pray with you just so you'll go on. But they've been given the gospel of Jesus Christ. I told you a couple months ago about Ecclesiastes and about God showing me, about casting your bread upon the water, about not regarding the wind, not worrying about the rain, not, not, not worrying about whether you're going to sow, not worrying about where God's going to plant, but just doing what God tells you to do. And that may be the one time in their life they've heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. He prayed with that young man, first one we saw going out, and he accepted Christ as his Savior. We went around, we went to the, to the laundromat, and I, I met new friends there. But I, I watched him as he witnessed, and by Saturday, I was getting to the, I wish he could have stayed just a little longer. I think I would have taken over before long. But by Saturday, I was talking again. But just to see God work, because he wasn't just working out there, but he was working in my own life. He's been working in my, he's been giving out handfuls of purpose. And I know there's dear saints that have been here at the house and they've been praying for the preacher. I know that his church was praying for us as we went out. You saw the handful of purpose when you saw Brother Bill here on the same day as my friend flew out from Georgia to be here. (laughs) I don't know if this is sad to say or not, but I was talking to my friend and he said, I heard you preaching online. He said, he's alone. I need to go out there. And just him coming out that weekend meant a lot. He was one of the, he was the first time that I preached, he was the one that got saved. He, he had asked, he was our neighbor and he, he said, are you still going, are you going to church tomorrow night to, Wednesday night, and I said, well, yeah, and Brother Grady had asked me to preach. It was my first time preaching, and I so bad wanted to say, can you come Sunday? <laughs> I said, yeah, we're, we're, uh, we're going tomorrow night, and he wrote down. He said, I just need God in my life right now. And that's the people we got to remember. We get so beat up with the people that say, I want nothing to do with God. I don't want God in my life. And they're sitting there in those chains just the same as, just the same as Peter was. They say, I don't want God in my life. I don't need him. That darkness stays on them and everything looks fine. They don't see the chains. They don't see the things crawling around them. And they live their life and they're happy. But the ones we need to think about are the ones that God sends us to. When he makes the fields white unto harvest... And we're sitting there looking out at the withered field over this direction. God's saying, no, I need you to go here. We need to be willing to obey God. We need to be praying, God, send us over to the harvest. Send us to the ones that will listen. Some of it I thought, I talked to my friend, and he wasn't running. He said, some people can witness to a fence post. He said, don't get caught up with with visions of grandeur. But that wasn't all that he said. He was encouraging most of the time. I'll just tell you that one little part that stuck with me. But to see God work, to see your prayers in action. And Peter, there were things going on in his life. When you're praying for somebody, there's things going on that you don't realize. And they're over there in that house and they're praying for Peter and he's there in the jail. They don't see the angel. 
They don't see him standing up and the chains falling off. They don't see the light come on. They don't see him walking past the soldiers as they sleep, not doing a thing. Were they asleep or did they not see him? We don't know. We know there was an angel with him and let him out. And Peter walks right through the front gate. And when he gets out on the street, it's hard to believe that it happened. I can tell you there's people who genuinely get saved and Satan will tell them it didn't happen. Take the seed from them. It's something that's hard to believe. Can it, is it that simple? And I, I say to you, it is that simple. People will say, well, it can't just be that you accept Christ as your Savior, that you accept the sacrifice that he made for your sins. I'll say that it can't be that simple. There's other things. My question is, what do you want to add to it? Say, so, well, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. Or you've got to show this in your life. Well, who does the cleaning? God does the cleaning. Jesus does the cleaning. Paul in Romans chapter 7, he gets all the way through that confusion. He says I, that when I would do good, that I do not. But when I don't want to do bad, I do it. He gets all the way to the end. And he says, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And if you're not walking close with Jesus and you're wondering why you're defeated, that's your answer. Because you're not walking close to the one who can help you. You're out of fellowship with Jesus Christ, and that's going to hurt your Christian walk. And so many people blame God for it. So praying for Peter, and they don't know what's going on. When you pray for those that are out here and you're praying for the harvest, you don't know what God's doing in their life. It just seemed like everybody that we saw was willing to listen. I think there might have been two or three that didn't. We were in, we, we went to one laundromat and I, I handed the track and I went around and I ended up witnessing to another lady. The fellow that I handed the track to when I walked outside Brother Chad was talking to him and led him to the Lord outside. But God does the harvest. And God was the one leading Peter out of this prison house. Verse number 10. When they were past the first and second ward, they came unto the iron gate that leadeth unto the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. Verse number 11, and when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. Imagine that kind of pressure. There's no expectation of getting out of that. Knowing that Herod has already killed one of them. And there's Peter and he's... he's you know what Peter's doing in that prison house? I'm, I'm stepping away from our picture of salvation. But you know what Peter was doing in there? He'd just gone to sleep. Next day, that night, he was about to lose his head. He was about to be killed. The Jews were calling for it, and Herod said, well, this would be a good way to get on their side. They like this so much, let me do this. It's a lot of pressure, knowing that all of that's going on. And let me tell you something. There are people that are under pressure. When you're in the middle of, when you're in the middle of your trials and your troubles, it helps that the church is praying for you. Yeah. 
It helps that you're praying for other people. And when you're going through that, and me and Diddy have been through some things, but I, it's, it's just peace that passeth all understanding. It's knowing that it's in God's hands, whether it goes this way or whether it goes that way. So he gets out and he realizes of a surety the Lord hath delivered me. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod from all the expectation of the people and of the Jews. And then verse number 12, And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. There's a lot of my favorite places in the Bible. This is one of them. Usually the one I'm reading is the most favorite at the time. But this is one of those scenes, and this is what kind of triggered it last week. Brother Chad talked about it. But, you know, we pray and we pray. But there isn't always an expectation that God's going to answer it. You know, and that's where the faith comes in. If you're praying to God, if you believe in God, expect him to answer the prayer. We'll pull back. I know I will. Well, God, whatever your will is. If someone's sick, Lord, your will be done. Because I don't know how it's going to go. It's kind of like equivocating. It's kind of like saying, well, well, God's God anyway, and he is. Whether this goes good or bad, Lord, it's, it's in your hands, and I'm going to trust you anyhow. Because, you know, there's a certain amount of expectation that God wants. He wants you to Trust him to answer the prayer. And here they are. They're praying in the house, and they're praying sincerely. They're praying long. Their hearts are in it. And Peter has been delivered. And he gets to the house, and he knocks on the door. And Rhoda, a little handmaid, answers the door. And she looks out there. She knows who Peter is. She's heard him preach. She's seen him. She knows who everybody was talking about. She knows that inside they're praying for him to be delivered. She knows that he's in prison. She opens the door and she sees him. And she lets him in and shows everybody. And they say, Peter got saved. Peter got pulled out of prison. But that's not what happens. It says, and when he had considered the thing, came to Mary's house, uh, verse 13, and as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to hearken named Rhoda, and when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Now let's go back to my mind picture. Because <laughs> Peter made it out of prison, and God saved him from that. But he's standing there outside in the street. He doesn't know whether they're looking for him. He doesn't know, you know, the angel's gone. And here he is on his own, and he's out in the street, and he's knocking on the door, and little Rhoda comes, and she runs back in. I could just see him kind of, Lord, I trust you. This is kind of awkward, though. And she runs in to tell them. And the ones that are praying for him, and they said unto her, thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. She had to stand there and argue with them. They were praying for God to act, 
And he did. And she's testifying and they're, sa- they're arguing with her about it. And she has to keep saying, it's him. It's really him. And they said unto her, thou art mad, but she constantly affirmed that it was even so. And then said they, it is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he, he, beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go show these things to James and to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. There needs to be an expectation that God's going to work. In our church, we'll pray for the shoe boxes. We'll pray over them. There needs to be an expectation that God's going to work through those shoe boxes. That it's not just going to be some gift a kid receives and then goes on with their life, but that God will truly work through those shoe boxes. Otherwise, it's just gifts that you're throwing out there into the breeze. There'll be other people praying, but we need to pray with that expectation. We've begun to pray for revival in this neighborhood, whether it's through us, whether it's through somebody else, but there needs to be an expectation that God's going to work. There needs to be an expectation that God's going to save the person that you're praying for. There needs to be an expectation that God's going to do something. And I tell you, when I reached the end, I, I can't say I reached all the way to the end, but you know, when I look back in the my notes, my journal, I look back and I, I read that prayer. Lord, I just need somebody. I need some help. There's an expectation. Lord, if you don't do it, I can't do it. You're the one that can do this. And sometimes it's just a handful of purpose that God says, I hear your prayer. Sometimes it's just your friend coming to visit you at just the right time. God saying, I hear your prayer. Hang in there. But don't be surprised when God answers prayer. Amen. All right, if y'all stand.